I'm Michael Holly, and you're listening to the Celtics Pride podcast on Celtics Blog. Welcome to the Celtics Pride Podcast on Celtics Blog. I am Adam Motenko. Josh Motenko is out today, but Mike Minkoff is with us as usual. Adam, I have a question for you. I don't think we've ever discussed this. How do you feel about All-Star Weekend? Are you, are you in on it? Are you a fan? Or are you just like so completely over it? I'm so completely over it. And I still watched the YouTube highlights of the three-point contest. That's stupid. Uh, team-based multi-skill game, uh, the dunk contest. I even watched highlights of the um, the uh, celebrity game, and I had oh, next to no idea who was playing that I had to look it up. And I hate myself for watching all of those video clips. Yeah, I kind of hate you for it. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> but no, I, I too am not a big All-Star Weekend guy. I think it's it's fun. It was fun when I was a kid. Um, I, I think in my twenties, I watched enough or late teens, even enough, uh, dunk contest to be like, wait, this isn't really reliably good anymore. Um, and then the all-star game, the quality of the game itself is, uh, unreliable at best. So, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not big on it. I'm glad Tatum is there to represent the Celtics and that's enough for me. Are they going to play defense in the game? No, of course not. Okay. Yeah, Nor should great. they. All right. Well, then let's just talk about the Celtics. Uh, All-Star break. We got 22 games left for this team. It feels like the halfway point because it's All-Star break, and you assume that's halfway through the season. Uh, but we're, what, two-thirds of the way through here at this no, point? No, effectively 75% of the way through. There you go. That's that's math for everybody there. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I bring to this podcast, stats Bef- and <laughs> Before we get to, the, to those 22 games and, and your thoughts on it, I'm really curious – after a nine-game win streak, how did you feel against uh, about the loss against Detroit at the end of the game there? Um, I genuinely did not care. I mean, it was it would have been nice to win uh, ten in a row. Um, it was the trappiest of trap games, right? the The team is coming off, you know, not only not only a nine-game win streak, but a nine-game win streak punctuated by an absolute bludgeoning of like what a team that I think is fairly could fairly be called maybe our top rival for this group of players on this team. Um, wait, 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 a number what do you of mean? Playoffs, I think for like Who's the top rival, the 76ers. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Right. So we, we beat the seven. So we, we punctuated that nine game win streak by beating the 76ers by 47 points. Right. So then on the next night of a back to back, we're going and playing one of, if not the worst teams in the NBA in a different city, even though it was back home. Um, Our last game before everyone gets over a week off, except for Jason Tatum, who's here at all going to all star weekend. Um, It would I mean, it would have been nice if the team had the maturity 
at this point to like be able to overcome all of the kind of pitfalls of this trap game. But, yeah, you know, we were talking a couple of weeks ago and I fully expected that despite the, the team's improved play, they were going to slip back into bad habits. So it comes as no surprise that they're going to have hiccups like that game. So to me, far more meaningful is that the game the night before against Philly, where everyone was trying, where Joel Embiid was cooking and getting to the line at will in the first quarter. And we were just a relentless and unending kind of wave of defensive force and frustration against what Philly was trying to do. And then the offense just kind of kept coming and kept coming. We slowly and methodically and unendingly built out our lead over the course of that game. And I think that's far closer to the real version of the team than the one that was not locked in and lackadaisical and lost, you know, kind of gave away the game in effect um, after kind of rallying, composing themselves for a few minutes in the fourth quarter, getting back out to an eight point lead and then coughing that up in the last handful of minutes of the game. Yeah. I mean, Detroit could compete for the worst team in the league. Uh, and I've been pretty opti- pretty pessimistic about um, this team, but um, I'm not overreacting to this loss. This is not good. I do not believe that this is the Celtics going back to their old ways from the beginning of the season. I, I think Brian Robb called it not the worst uh, end of game collapse they've had this year. <laughs> yes, on, on the winning plays pod, <laughs> that, I listened to that as well. Pretty, and I agree, pretty funny. I think he's accurate. Phrase, but correct. Yes, <laughs> could have gone a lot worse. Um, and it's just like you said, it's the trappiest of trap games. That, that game before All Star break. I mean, especially with the number of players on the Celtics not involved in the the All Star game festivities. And there. we were without like two of our, our arguably our two key emotional leaders on the court in Marcus Smart and Rob Williams, right? Like those are the guys that like <sighs> make energy plays, bring energy, help kind of light a fire into the other guys. Why are you deep? Are my out? are my deep sighs loud enough for everybody to hear? Can we uh, I, can we stop blaming injuries or p- people being out for this team? Not I'm not I'm not not I'm beating not one of the worst teams in the league. It. I'm not saying that excuses it. I'm, uh, they should have still won, but I'm just saying on top of it being a trap yes trap game, they're also yes. without two key players. I mean, you're Look, not I wrong. Think, I think they just fell into a trap. And it was a the most predictable trap there was, and it, that's what happened. But I think they would have been slightly less likely to fall into that trap if everyone was healthy. But look, we've seen this team collapse many times over the course of the season. They easily could have fallen into that trap with everyone healthy. So in the last 20-something games, the Celtics are arguably the best team in the league. They, uh, I think... Uh, it's less of a debate that they are the best defensive team in the league in that span. And in the prior to that this year, they were maybe the most disappointing team in the league. So uh, every year we kind of get these themes uh, for the season for the Celtics last year. It was a lot about what, what, what's the depth of the team. You had a bunch of rookie and second year players that had to come through off the bench. Could they handle it? Uh, I think we answered that question. Uh, this year, it was obvious. The, the, the question has been, what is this team? Who are they? Are they going to figure it out? And so let me pose that to you, Mike. After this unbelievable stretch and the really frustrating beginning of the year, who is this team? Well, before I answer this um, fully, 
a couple of, I mean, I, I think I touched on like the Raptor projections in our last podcast and the trade reaction, but even, even with that loss, that embarrassing loss against Detroit, the Celtics are, are still projected as the team with the best chance of winning the finals right now over the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, by 538. Uh, by, by 538's Raptor team projections. Additionally... Can I... Before, uh, can I just wait, wait, wait. No, 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 no. no. no okay. let, let me finish, because I'm doing this for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> Additionally, ESPN's Basketball Power Index has the Celtics as number two in, in BPI, that, um, only behind Phoenix. Uh, Phoenix rates at 7.9 overall. Boston rates at 7.2 overall. The next closest team is Miami on that at 5.5 overall on 538 um on 538's raptor the suns are second uh in the chance of winning the finals at 18 percent and the bucks are third at 13 percent just for some some points of comparison i offer all of that up before i answer your question adam because i don't think the celtics are the title favorites um but i do think the team that we've seen these past 20 games is is a is a real there, there's something very real there it is i agree you can't accidentally or get lucky and have some the obscene number of 25 point wins 25 plus point wins that the celtics have had over their last 20 games um you know they've won by at least double digits i think in like eight or 10 of their last 16 games they've won five by more than 30 points um and uh, a sixth one but was by 29 points in the in this recent kind of hot stretch so like mediocre teams don't do that um the celtics have figured something out and what they've figured out is very legitimate um you know i've maintained I, I predicted in the preseason that the Celtics would be a, a, a four seed in the East. Um, the East has played out extremely differently than I thought it would. Um, but I still think the Celtics are very much in the conversation for having home court advantage in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, that said, according to Tankathon's strength of schedule, I think they have the 10th toughest strength of schedule. So, you know, I, I think the Celtics for over the remainder of the regular season are going to be jockeying in that four to six range of the the Eastern Conference bracket, maybe maybe pushing up to third. Um, and then I think in the playoffs, they're going to be a team that absolutely nobody will want to face, and that I and I think they could legitimately beat any team in the East. I don't know that they'll be favored, but I think I so that's that's kind of how I see the team is. I don't actually think they're the favorite. I think they will be a legitimate contender in each individual playoff series they have, at least through the Eastern Conference playoffs. Um, that could, I would, I would be surprised if they lost in the first round. I think, um, unless they got a really, really bad draw, like if they slid to seventh or eighth and matched up against Milwaukee. Um, uh, and yeah, that that that's kind of how I see them. Uh, but I, I would be, I would also be surprised if they got past the Eastern Conference Finals. So third is pretty high. I don't expect them to be third. Um, I don't expect it, no. Yeah. But uh, in this four to six range is totally reasonable. Getting up to fourth is not, um, would not be shocking to me. I, so you, in order to do that, 
they would have to continue not winning at the level that they have been the last 20 games, but, um, but, but winning at a high rate. Like how many games above 500 do you think they'll be at the end? Right now they are eight games above 500, which yeah, is shocking they, considering it, where the way they were a month ago. It's unbelievable. Right. Um, yeah, it's a it's a great question. I mean, they were just winning at just shy of like a 750 win percentage. I don't think they're going to keep doing that. If um, they've got, like you said, 22 games left, like, is it unreasonable for them to go like 14 and eight? No. So that would land them at uh, 48 wins. Uh, 15 and seven seems possible. You know, I would expect them to end in the 48 to 50 win range. Mm-hmm. Or, or maybe expected them quite right, but I, I think that's a reasonable a reasonable bet. Yeah, that seems reasonable to me too. And when you look at the schedule, it's a it's a, there's a number of uh, bad teams that they're going to be playing. We know how they are against bad teams, so that's those are not locks for wins. Um, with some really good teams sprinkled in, you mentioned their strength of schedule. Um, it's not as 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 uh, bad as uh, some other teams. Their march is tough. Their march is tough. Yeah, but I. Um, the other teams ahead of them are going to kind of be beating up on each other more than the Celtics will have to play other teams uh, ahead of them in the Eastern Conference. They are, and and uh, Bill Sai at Celtics blog on on Twitter at at um, deliberate deliberate picks. Yeah, at deliberate picks uh, tweeted about this. Let me let me pull this up. But as you're yeah, doing like, that, Mike, I just want to remind you that, that with the 538 Raptor, I mean, I've been a fan of 538 for a long time. And uh, I've been following their their NBA predictions the last few years. And I recall the last two years for the Celtics, they've been really bullish about the Celtics. And uh, it has not turned out as good as 538 expected for the Celtics. Like two years ago in the bubble, they had the Celtics at, at one point towards the end of the season or at the very beginning of the playoffs, they had the Celtics as the their favorite to win the championship, well, uh, the Celtic, which was that, shocking that at Celtic that point. Team, that Celtics team did take the Miami heat um, yeah. to six games in the yeah. Eastern conference finals. And if not for an OG and kind of desperation three pointer at the end of game three of the, the preceding series against the Raptors, that heat series might've been totally different, right? That like yep. that drained and actually Jason Tatum on uh, had a great listen on the old man and the three podcast talked about that game and that series against Toronto as like the most exhausting series of his career. And he also so, said that that they believe that if they got to the finals against it was LeBron's Lakers, Lakers. that they they believe yeah. they would have won and I do not. I I have no idea. I mean, I I wouldn't I wouldn't have put my money on that team, but I I think I'm, I'm just saying let's not trust 538 as much because it it has been um overestimating the Celtics chances the last 2 years. Yeah, that's fine. Um I still Again, I think it it's catching on to real signals is is ultimately what I'd put into it. And it's not like the other teams. It's not like the other teams that are at the top are don't make sense. So yeah. I don't. I, while I agree that we can't blindly say, "Oh, this says the Celtics are the best team," therefore we should believe the Celtics are going to go to the finals. I also don't think we should say this seems a little crazy to me. The whole model is broken. I, I think it's somewhere in between. And I want to applaud you because at the very beginning of this win streak, you started seeing the advanced stats and what they were saying. And you started hinting at the legitimacy of those wins. 
um, which was hard to take given the way that the season had gone up until that point. Um, but I would say that you were ahead of the curve in terms of identifying the legitimacy of, of the way that the Celtics are playing. Which I, yeah, which I tried, I tried like... to, I tried to keep you from breaking up with them, man. I, you know, <laughs> just because you didn't see what you had in front of you doesn't mean it wasn't great. What was the stat you were looking up there? So it wasn't a stat. It was uh, Bill Sy uh, posted on uh, a few days ago, basically the the remaining schedules for each of the top six East teams against each other. So Boston only has games against Miami, at Chicago, and at Milwaukee remaining on our schedule. Meanwhile, Philly has um, two games against Milwaukee, two games against Miami, three games against Cleveland, and one against Chicago. Cleveland has, again, three against Philly, um, two against Chicago, one against Milwaukee, one against Miami, um, etc. You get the picture. But So the point is, Boston is not going to be as uh, much in the crosshairs of kind of this intra-Eastern Conference, um, you know, uh, <laughs> slap fighting as, as some of our key uh, competitors for those four to six seeds, um, which, which of course helps us. That, that'll play to our favor. So the challenge here in the Eastern Conference, because everybody's been talking about how wide open the East is and that, that creates some optimism for the Celtics, but there are seven good teams or seven teams that I expect to be good. Uh, eight if you count the Raptors right yeah are we counting the Raptors because I was not I mean they've been playing really well lately they've been competing with Boston for win streak titles in in the Eastern Conference and improving their point differential but they're so young I think you have to count the Raptors if only because I mean outside of Eric Spolstra is there any coach you'd rather have than Nick Nurse no I don't know yeah so so I I think the fact that you have some players that have, were part of that championship team and, and Van Vliet and Siakam, yeah. um, you have uh, one of the top three coaches in the NBA and you have, um, you know, uh, this kind of very versatile, switchable, um, high energy kind of roster um, that that seems to have figured out how to play together. I, w- I would count them as legitimate in that in that kind of top eight mix. Great. Um, so eight teams, including Toronto, I'm including Brooklyn in that, assuming right. that they will get some star players back. I actually right. think that, the, you know, the chances are not bad that New York city changes the vaccine mandate with everybody else changing it across the U S I yep. wouldn't be shocked if they did. And that means that Kyrie gets to play in home games and yep. solves that problem. And this yep. does not include Atlanta, who made a lot of noise last year and could figure it out as well. That's a t- very talented team. Yep. So there's a lot of teams that uh, that are playing really well. And when I look at the Celtics and and their point differential, which is the highest in in the Eastern Conference, um, and I think about like, well, that that should make water find its level. Uh, not necessarily. Uh, Philadelphia um, is in third place with a lower point differential, but. They're getting Ben Simmons and to adding him to no, a team. They're getting James Harden. Sorry, James Harden. Right, <laughs> adding him to a team that that did not have Ben Simmons before, and and so yeah, they lost a little bit with uh, Seth Curry. Uh, I'm not going to count Drummond much, but um, they're, they that's a dramatic improvement for that team. So I, I expect them to figure out how to play well together and uh, to to play better than they've been playing. Chicago 
man, they're they're that veteran team. They've been playing really, really well, even without some of their key pieces who will be coming back before the playoffs. DeMar DeRozan uh, breaking Wilt Chamberlain records out there. Mm-hmm. What was it? I think it's six straight games of, of thirty-five or more. Thirty-five plus at, thirty-five plus points while shooting higher than fifty percent from the field. It's just bonkers. Um, so, Adam, uh, ahead of us, as you're as you're getting to ahead of us in the standings are Milwaukee, Cleveland, Philadelphia, Chicago, and Miami. Based on the season so far today, are would you feel comf- confident in the Celtics? in a head-to-head matchup against any of those teams in a seven-game series? I would feel confident against Cleveland. Um, I think Milwaukee scares me the most. Philadelphia, I, I need to see what they look like with with Harden and Embiid together. Because um, you can pick on Harden on defense, and you have to double-team Embiid. So I need to see how Embiid and Harden play together. We need to double-team Embiid, uh, and I like the approach that we're taking, putting Grant Williams or Al Horford on him with um, Robert Williams coming back, uh, uh, hopefully in the next game, uh, and kind of playing that um, free safety role that he's been playing for to a lot of success recently. Uh, I like that matchup, um, at least that that way of defending Embiid. But that's still, I mean, Joel Embiid is an MVP candidate. That's going to be a tough game. That they, I want to see what buyout uh, guys they sign because I think their uh, um, their depth is isn't great right now. Um, I hate playing Miami because just because they're so tough uh, and a healthy Miami at least. Chicago, man, they've been playing so well. I, I want to feel safer about a Chicago matchup just because let's let's see how they do in the playoffs. But um, Cleveland feels the best to me. And and I, I just want to avoid Giannis at all costs. <laughs> yeah, so I, I agree. Um, Milwaukee is the scariest. I, I mean, I will say, um, you know, one thing, one, one of the real things that Horford does uh, extremely well is guard Giannis. I, I mean, it's all relative, right? It's relative to the alternative NBA yeah. players yep. uh, that exist and just humans on the planet. Um, it's not like he shuts him down, and I'm not I'm not suggesting he does, but he's like we can viably put just Al Horford on Giannis, um, which is really significant uh, and not something every team can do. Like Miami can kind of do that yeah. right with Bam, and Philly can do that with Embiid, but there aren't a lot of teams that can that have a guy they can just put on Giannis. Um so that's significant. Al was always really, really good against Embiid. And I was kind of curious to see whether he would still hold up. Um and it it looks like he's doing pretty well. Yeah, uh, he did know, in he a seven did, game okay. series, we'll see. Yeah, so so uh, I want to give just a quick so we we haven't talked on this podcast at all about like that 76ers Nets trade and I just want to talk about it from the vantage of how I feel as a Celtics fan about it. I mean, I was obviously rooting for no trade to happen and both franchises to kind of be steeped in this really calamitous noise for each of them, because a, who doesn't love chaos for other franchises and B, especially when those franchises are in your division Um, and C, especially when they also uh, make a trade that then returns them back into title contention conversation. Um, my gut reaction on the 76ers acquiring Harden is, of course, oh, no, that's not good for us at all. 
Uh, I, of that said, do wear these nice green tinted sunglasses and I'm allowing myself to get talked into some of the concerns that I've seen uh, from some, some in the national media, such as, you know, Harden likes a ball in his hand, uh, Embiid likes a ball in his hand, you know, maybe, maybe that will lead to some conflict or tension on the court. Um, I think the most compelling issue that I could actually see manifesting is how Harden has pretty much required operating in a switch switch heavy defense, which is not the way you want to play defense. If you've got Joel Embiid, uh, it'll be very interesting to see how they uh, manage that. It'd be actually interesting to see if they kind of do something similar to what the Celtics have been doing and have Embiid just kind of in that free safety role. Robert Williams has been in um, off the kind of weak side wing in effect. Um, so, you know, uh, I'll, in short, I'm hoping that the Celtics um, are not clearly hurt by that trade, but I assume they will be. Um, and the Nets, yeah, I think they could get right back into the conversation. But I agree with you, Adam. Uh, Milwaukee is the scariest. Philly, I thought, was going to be right up there with them, but I was extremely impressed by not just Horford, but like Grant Williams, uh, even a little bit of Daniel Tice, but and and just the team's overall effectiveness against the 76ers. Harden will change the equation, of course, um, to a degree, but but that was a really impressive game we had against them um, last Tuesday. I'm not terrified of Chicago. I'm always respect, and I'm concerned about a matchup with the Heat. Um, and yeah, I would put Cleveland at the bottom of that because I don't trust their their ability to score, uh, especially against a defense like ours. How important do you think it is uh, for the Celtics to get the number four seed or higher so that they have home court advantage, at least in the first round of the playoffs? I'm going to answer your question with a question, which is what, what, am I, what should I hope for from this team this season? Because I, I don't know how to answer that. I mean, look, having home court advantage is better than not having it. But I don't think I'm hoping this year's team is going to win the championship. Like, I, I'm rooting for it. I, I guess I should say that differently. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm hoping for that. But I'm not, I don't feel like I'm going to be let down if that doesn't happen. What, um, coming into the year, what were your assumptions about uh, I mean, I predicted they'd be in fourth, and I thought they could get a second to the second round and maybe an Eastern Conference Finals. Yep. And so has that changed? Uh, I would say, I, I mean, after the Derek White trade, I would say now they have an increased chance of getting to the Eastern Conference final and, and uh, better than, you know, Snowball's chance and, and you know where of getting to the finals. Um, so it's like improved. I, I think I, I, it's improved. Yeah, I think I think they have a higher ceiling now than they did. I don't, you know, any any type of shift in these at, at those margins is going to be pretty modest. Um, my hopes are higher. I, I guess I would, I'm fairly hopeful. I'm trying to find the right words. Fairly hopeful that they can make an Eastern Conference Finals this year. Um, and then from there, it's kind of gravy, right? It's like uh, anything can happen at that point. Um, so from that vantage, yeah, I want them to get a, a home, home court in the first round. Right now they're 20 and 11 at home, 14 and 15 away. So just based on how they've played so far this season, it's important for them to, to, I would say, it would be incredibly helpful for them to have 
uh, more home games just because of how they're done. Um, and I would say that my expectations at the beginning of the season were similar to what you described. Uh, winning a first round series, making some noise in the second round, maybe getting to the Eastern Conference Finals. And that has not, that certainly changed earlier this year. But uh, right now, uh, those are, that is my my hopeful expectation as well. And again, it totally depends, as you mentioned, it totally depends on who they're matched up against in the first round. So do you, do you right now feel like in your heart of heart, there's any chance the Celtics could make the finals? It's really low. It's really low. There's just the Eastern Conference is stacked, and it's weird to say this with 22 games left, but uh, we still don't know what Brooklyn looks is going to look like. We still don't really know what Philadelphia is going to look like. Um, there's just a lot of unknowns here, and those were should have been the top two teams or top two of the top three teams with Milwaukee coming into this season. Yeah, can I? I have one. Uh prediction i want to kind of put out there for the remainder of this regular season as well it'll it'll apply in the playoffs too but but it's going to be important in the regular season the celtics are going to have more bad losses and people are going to overreact to it (laughs) i i am so surprised to hear you say this you have been so optimistic no because but i've been saying the whole time i've been saying like because they there will be close games and there's a difference between the reason, the reason for my optimism is because their defense is real. Like yeah. Capital R capital E capital A capital L real. Like there's nothing fluky about what they're doing on the defensive side of the ball. They're going to be in every game. Um, and their offense has been improved. Like they've been a top seven to nine offense over, I don't know, their last 10 to 15 games. It depends on you know, which time period you look at, but they're often, but the, you know, people commenting on the fact that their strength of schedule has, hasn't been that intense over this period. That's fair, right? They haven't played a ton of close games that have been real kind of drag out, knock out fourth quarters. When they get in those situations, sometimes they'll execute well. And then there will be some games still where you know, Jalen or Jason slip into bad habits. I've, I've even during this win streak, when I've been singing the team's praises, I've been talking about how Jalen keeps turning the ball over and, and still gets a little too tunnel visiony, right? Like those things haven't completely gone away. So there will still be a, some frustrating losses over the, the final 22 games of the season. Um, but, but my prediction is both that and that people will overreact to it. Like it doesn't, invalidate what we've been seeing these last 20 games it's nice to have Um, somebody else on this podcast with a sense of reality because that's what i was saying last time uh during the win streak and and uh, honestly coming into this podcast i thought i was gonna we were gonna have to talk about some sort of bet uh because of how optimistic you have appeared at least on the celtics blog slack uh yeah so yeah it sounds i completely agree with you no so but but i do believe like I think you can, that all of that can be true and the, the team ceiling is higher, uh, both for the regular season and the playoffs than it was before the trade. I think um, we have reason to, to believe that there's some exciting basketball kind of in store for us as Celtics fans over the, the rest of the regular season. Um, but I, you know, I, and, and I'm not, I'm not sure I'm quite ready to, to but uh, but I'm toying with the idea that the Celtics 
could could reasonably be uh, seen as a, an early front runner for the 2022-2023 uh, NBA championship. Wow. Um, but wow. Yeah, this year they, you know, I think Jason Tatum's playmaking has come a long way. I think Jalen Brown is a year away uh, still from making more of the incremental gains that he's going to. He's never going to be an elite playmaker. Like there's just still small habits, and and we still need time for Derek White to really get acclimated in there. But um, I'm I'm still pretty bullish on this team. I just think there's still going to be hiccups. I agree. I'm just I'm just happy that I'm not the one that has to say it. Um, is this team going to stay healthy for the rest of the way? I mean, based on the last couple of years, I wouldn't bet on it, but I certainly hope so. It's a lot more fun when they're all healthy. Yeah, for sure. Uh, do you, what do you expect in terms of buyout guys? We've got three roster spots open. Um, what kind of players do you think the Celtics are going to go after? Or if you have specific people, go ahead. So I ran a poll on, uh, on my Twitter uh, last week, uh, got, I think a thousand or so votes on it. Um, seeing, you know, that I put three, three buyout guys and then like a fill in the blank, basically option for people to put into the comments. Uh, the three, three guys I put on there were Gary Harris, uh, Robin Lopez, both, both of whom are with the Orlando magic, um, and Goran Dragic. And then what was the question? The question is, if the Celtics could only get one buyout guy, which of these would you want them to get? And then the, the fourth option was other, and then indicate who in the comments. So by far, the majority preference was Gary Harris. He He's mine as well. I think he slots into kind of the, the role that Pritchard and Neesmith are currently competing for. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you, Adam, have been clamoring for getting the youth more more time. Um, I also think they need another ball handler, and I was surprised last last podcast when you said you disagreed. Like I, I, Derek White and Marcus Smart and Peyton Pritchard uh, are not enough, and I think you could find somebody that slots in. Like Goran Dragic would slot in ahead of Pritchard, and I think stabilize the bench backcourt and and prevent against injury issues too. Yeah, I think I think the re the so a I think. I mean, you left out a couple key guys uh, whose names start with J-A-Y as part of the ball handler rotation there. Um, and I think anyone you're picking um, up you and, and that you're wanting to be a part of the kind of core eight or nine man rotation need, you know, ideally is going to take very little away from the defensive identity of the team. And so... I think Goran Dragic would be fine. Like I, I actually, I really like him. I've always really liked him. I'm but Gary not Harris sure fits. he's. I'm not sure Dragic is the best fit for what the team needs. Whereas Harris is like, you know, what we probably a, a best case scenario for what we could hope for from Neesmith this season. Right. Yeah, I mean, like, he can switch. He can switch one through three. He's a good exactly. defender. The question and, is whether he, he he's hitting his shot, which he hasn't. Yeah, and he he, ha- in he has seasons, been this year. This year he exactly. is. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. So, so like Harris is the guy that makes the most sense to me. Um, if you're looking for an actual rotation player, otherwise, you know, I'd be fine with getting like a DJ Augustine and a Robin Lopez as like deep bench guys, just like breaking, you know, 
breaking. I've always liked Robin Lopez. Emergency. Yeah, he's good. He's good if you're if you're playing Embiid or another big exactly. or big center, and and you need guys like that. It was Ennis Cantor was supposed to be that guy, um, and I think the Celtics made the right decision in trading him. Uh, but I, I've always liked Robin Lopez. I, but can you pull him away from from uh, Disney World? I don't know. It's a fair question. Uh, and, and you know, even worse is that we don't even have like a big animalistic mascot that he could play with. Like we've got Lucky, but I don't think it's the same. I think he needs like a dinosaur to punch or like, you know, uh, I don't know, a weird like demonic baby like the New York, New Orleans Pelican, Pelicans had um, that he can I'm, wrestle with. We could use another uh, twin on the team. Neesmith is a twin, right? I... Or- I do not know. I'm can't remember. I'm unaware of that if that's true. Um <laughs> always twin hunting Motenkos. Yeah. Always twin hunting. Um yeah, so I mean outside of of like those four guys that we've named, Gary Harris, Drogic, Robin Lopez and like a guy like DJ Augustine, um I don't I don't see anyone really worth pursuing. Guy I, I'll tell you a guy I really don't want us to get. Uh Tyreek Evans who is one of the guys whose name popped up the most in the comments on my poll. Uh, I have no interest in that. No thank you uh, to the guy who hasn't played in the league for two years and at his best was a um, (laughs) ball-stopping, inefficient, ball-stopping, ball-dominant player that was an inefficient scorer. So, yeah, I'm I'm out on Tyreek. Yeah, I mean, I I liked him when he came into the league. Just his skill set was multidimensional, but I don't expect him. I think he's 32 now. He's been out of the league for two years. I don't expect him to uh, do a whole lot uh, for a team. Um, you know, I'm happy to give him a tryout in the offseason or something like that. But um, I, I don't expect the Celtics to get any of the three guys that were on your poll. Um, I think that what's I think that those players, if they leave. Uh, the you know yet to be seen what Orlando wants to do. Um, Drogic, yeah, the rumors have all been that he's going to um, join. At least they were earlier in the season. Um, join Luka Doncic. Um, they those guys have been tight for a long time playing on the national team together. Um, but I just I just think that, that there's going to be more appealing looking options to those players. Uh, for buyouts around the league than what the Celtics look like to them. And I think that they would all actually get some reasonable opportunity on the Celtics. Um, but I, I think what's more likely is that the Celtics end up adding buyout guys who are G League uh, success stories. And it's kind of, uh, they sign them to a contract for the end of this year and and with a team option for next, that kind of a thing, uh, to hopefully add some depth going forward and, create some um, competition in camp and just kind of hopefully develop some other players in ways that the team hasn't for a while. Um, but we will see. We will. I want to drop a, want to get a live reaction from you. Uh, we're, we're recording this on Sunday night, just before the NBA all-star games about to be played. Um, and just was announced. Uh, Sham Sharania just tweeted among others. Chris Paul has an avulsion fracture on his right thumb and will miss Ooh. six to eight weeks when the regular Whoa. season resumes. Um, that was the game that he got kicked out for supposedly bumping yeah, the, the ref, the, but it was really the ref that kind of turned into him. And he was pissed about it. Oh, he was he was mad when he hurt his thumb there. 
Wow, that's that's a big deal. Yeah, that's a huge deal. I feel bad so, for Chris Paul. You know, next I look at the five thirty eight Raptors uh, team win the finals projection. I expect the Celtics to be even higher than that. 21%. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, six weeks is the end of the regular season, uh, approximately. So that takes him potentially into the playoffs. That's yeah, rough. It's a, it's a huge deal. It's rough for, it's rough for him. I, I, he's a guy that I hope gets a ring, obviously. What he's done in his career is unbelievable. Um, I'm glad he got to a finals last season and uh, certainly hope he's able to get healthy and play again. Um, he was the guy I kept hoping the Celtics would get, and he's a guy that I've mentioned on this pod before. People in Celtics blog thought I was crazy for suggesting maybe we'd be better with him instead of Kemba Walker last year. True story. That happened. <laughs> you were right, Mike. <laughs> you were right. Um... Always am. <laughs> All right, well, uh, when the Celtics get back at it, hopefully they, they do so rested. They're, they've got um, a three-game road trip to, to start back up again. Uh, at Brooklyn, uh, who knows who's going to be playing in that game. Uh, against Detroit again, the Celtics have two more games against Detroit. Mike, what do you think? Are they winning both those games after this recent loss? I, I think so. I do. I do. I do believe that. So when when I said before that the Celtics would have bad losses, I actually think it's more likely to be against better teams where we're up in the fourth and can't close it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I think this was a specific type of trap game. This one, um, uh, but I by but I expect our focus and our ability to kind of maintain that focus for full forty eight minutes, game to game, uh, to generally speaking, be much improved over the last this last quarter of the season. All right. Well, we will be talking about it. Thank you for listening, everyone. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at Celtics Pride Pod and Mike Minkoff. Mike, what's your Twitter? At Mike Minkoff NBA. If you've listened this far, you are a part of Celtics Pride.